0: We're continuing in the series. If you've got a Bible with you, I invite you to find Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, ask you for, to stand for the reading of God's word. We're in Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 24.
1: I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you.
0: Amen. Let's be seated together. Well, through the past month, you've been grappling with what it means to manage this kind of happy collision of faith and emotions. They're not opposites. They're not in conflict with one another but for today, we're going to continue in this this series on emotions and bringing our, our emotions and our faith together. You know, emotions are God's idea. God created you. God made you with emotion. It's good to have emotions. It's good to express yourself before God. It's good to have some joy on your face. It's okay to have some sadness at times. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to all those experiences. And one of the things that I've I've noticed though sometimes is that I I see Christians, believers who are are sort of stuck, spiritually stuck, that are not really growing. If they're really honest, they say, well, I'm not kind of no further down the track than I was a few years ago. And I think one reason that we're getting spiritually stuck is that we're emotionally stuck, or we're emotionally wounded, or emotionally unhealthy. And so we want to talk about that. We want to figure out how to how to fix those things so we continue to follow Jesus, to love Jesus, to receive the love of Jesus, and to share Jesus with others and help others to follow him. So that's what we want to be about through this series. And today's the last week in this series. So emotions, then we want to bring them under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's the goal. That's the idea. So bring our emotions under the the leadership of Jesus. And one of the more complex emotions is anger. Anger is a tricky one. Uh, Anger itself, I don't think You know, it's kind of a a neutral thing, but it's what we do with it that creates so many problems and why it matters to talk about it. I'm going to take you back to those verses that that Mindy read for us, verses 26 and and 27 and verse 31. He says, and don't don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. And then verse 31 says, get rid of all bitterness. Oh, back one more time. Oh, that's fine. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. All types of evil behavior. See, it's expressing our anger sinfully that, that becomes a problem, particularly in bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. And the the damage is to relationships. The damage is to relationships between other, each other and, and with God. Uh, damaged relationships... Uh, you know, kinda of hinder our spiritual development. Now some people, now some people you know they're just always angry. There's an angry person. You think, man, I'm just, just an angry person. Some of us, anger just seems to pop up out of nowhere. Ever been killed? That's been my thing. All of a sudden like, you know, just lose it. Lose it on my kids or get a bit of road rage. You think, well, where did that come from? I'll tell you where it comes from. It comes from a place of, of hurt. So unhealth. Or immaturity, spiritual immaturity. And you think, wow, and it kind of comes out on everybody. You think, wow, it's because there's some immaturity that hasn't, hasn't been dealt with. It's, it's birthed out of that. Now someone's going to say, well, Brian, surely you know that in the Old Testament, it talks about the anger of God, the wrath of God, and, 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 and it doesn't, you know, just, what about, what do you do with that? Is God wrong to be angry? First of all, the anger of God is not an emotion and it serves a function. And we also know that God in Jesus Christ satisfied his wrath, satisfied his anger. When Jesus went to the cross, he took all the wrath of God on himself so that those who would trust in Jesus Christ are no longer subject to the anger and wrath of God. And we'll talk a little bit more next week about Jesus in the temple, clearing the temple, because some folks have said, well, Jesus was really angry there. And I'll tell you why he wasn't. But we want to uh get a hold of these sins of anger that's what does the does the damage the apostle paul says that that to to sin in anger creates a foothold for the devil he says don't let the sun go down on your anger don't let the sun go down while you're still angry there in verse 26 now i'm going to make a comment about that cuz some of you're thinking okay well does that mean if my spouse and i have had a fight and we're really mad at each other that we should like stay up till three in the morning to get it sorted out? How many of you think that your best conflict resolution and, uh, you know, people skills, they're, they're at their peak at 1 a.m. What do you think? Yeah, no, no. Just you're at their sharpest, you're at your most compassionate, you know? No. He's not saying stay up until you've resolved the conflict. There's a difference between the conflict and anger. You can't resolve the conflict between you and another person until you've resolved the anger in your own heart. That's your issue. So to say, I'm not going to let the sun go down while I'm still angry, says, God, I, I recognize that there's a, we're not getting along right now. In fact, we kind of want to kill each other. And I'm going to sleep with one eye open because she especially wants to kill me. <laughs> but God, I'm resolving in my heart to release anger, to recognize my part in this and say, God, would you forgive me? I confess where I've been wrong. And you say, we're not talking right now, but we will deal with this conflict. But first, I'm going to resolve the junk in my own heart. That's what it means to not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Say, okay, we're going to get through this. It starts here. Does that make sense? Because anger and conflict are not the same thing. Just because you have a conflict with somebody doesn't mean it's about anger. It's important to understand but resolve it first in your heart. So what's the thing about a foothold? A foothold is about gaining access. I want to show you a picture here. Becky and I go on a little a little hike while we we're in Israel. This is a place called Mount Arbel and it was a beautiful day and when we read about this place called Mount Arbel and it has all this historical significance. So we drove up there yeah, and uh, we said, oh, let's go on this little hike. And Becky was in her flip-flops and, you know, um, we're fine. And and we didn't realize this. We started clambering down. We think, well, this is a little tricky getting down. Well, okay, we made it down. And the hike was about four times the length we thought it was going to be. And we hike along. And at some point, I'll, I'll show you pictures. And, and um, encountered some kind of fierce looking cows. And uh, and then it was time to climb back up the other way. And what, this is what we looked up. At. you see the middle picture. I looked up and I'm like, huh, I guess we're going up those handholds and footholds. You need a foothold to gain access, to make progress. And, and as you can see, we both made it. We both survived. No broken bones. And not to mention, it was terribly windy. So the wind was just blowing across that thing. It was uh, a great deal of fun. And it's the same kind of thing as, as maybe this initial similar picture would be like getting your foot in the door. And he's saying these sins of anger, let the devil gain a foothold. Let him gain access. To your life and to your relationships and bring destruction there. I want to ask you, you can respond out loud on this one. What, what happens when we act out of those, those five things that Paul lists there? Bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. What happens when we act out? What happens? makes Makes it worse, okay? Say things you shouldn't say. Cause hurt. Lose lose relationship or lose reputation and splits relationships. Say that in the back. Escalates, yeah. Destroys your testimony. Destroys other things too, right? Anybody ever thrown something when you got angry? I was in the. Eighth grade, I got so mad about something I punched a locker, and I think I broke my knuckle. Right? When we like allow these things to stir up into us, what is it? It's broken stuff. Right? I know somebody who who threw the remote control and smashed the TV, brand new TV. It's a funny story now. Broken stuff, broken people, broken relationships. It's why we have to get a hold of this. It's why we have to deal with this. These sins of anger. Um, I want to say it this way. Unchecked anger is a symptom of spiritual immaturity. Let's put that one on screen there, Johnny. Unchecked anger is a symptom of spiritual immaturity. You think about a two-year-old having a tantrum. They're at the grocery store and they're on the floor and they're wailing away you kind of like, well, that's, we call it the tremendous twos, right? Terrible twos. There's a reason for that. Now, if you're 22 and you're on the floor of the grocery store, or 42, you'd be on YouTube. We would say, someone has not matured. Someone has not grown up. And when those when that that anger continues to come out in those outbursts and those temper tantrums for people, that's a lack of maturity, in particular lack of spiritual maturity. It means the fruit of the Spirit is not growing. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control means that hasn't been growing in my life. So we want to continue to bring that under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I understand there's exceptions. I've got a family member who has suffered; a, was in a car accident, suffered a traumatic brain injury, and and he's struggling with kind of these wildly ranging emotions. That's different. There's a there's there's physical damage, that's impeding his progress and development. That's that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about those of us who can manage that. I think about sometimes of my own temper. You know, just outbursts, lose it with my kids or something. And I just think, okay, where is that from? That's from a place, like I said before, of hurt or immaturity that needs to grow. And so then you think, well, hey, Brian, it's not my fault. It is not my fault. That person, my boss, they just know how to push my buttons. They make me so angry. You know, my kids, they just make me so angry. My mom, she just makes me so angry or whoever it is in your life, right? You know what? No one can make you do anything. No one can make you angry. It's your choice. It's your decision. It's your willingness to give control of yourself to someone else. It's letting that person control you. And that's, it's, it's no excuse for that. Well, we say, well, I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated. I'm just annoyed. I'm just, I'm just ticked off. I'm just, I'm just really disappointed. Ever said that to your kids? I'm just really disappointed. I have, right? There's an, there's a piece of that is this anger that's not, now there's a time to say, I'm really disappointed, but where's it coming from? So sometimes we, anger has these excuse words. I'm not angry. I'm just ticked off. Unchecked anger is a symptom of spiritual immaturity. I'd also say this, the anger is a reaction of emotional, physical, or psychological force to get our way. Reaction of emotional, physical, or psychological force to get our way. So something that's, that's stirring up that anger that's triggered by unmet expectations or unmet desires or, or you're just not getting your way at something, right? Your way is blocked. Ever heard this or ever said this when you're angry? Get on my way. Ever heard that? Nobody? Ever said that? All right? Get out of my way! That's the perfect summary statement for anger. It is the perfect summary because what we're saying is, you're blocking what I want. On the other side of you is what I want. Emotionally, physically, whatever it is. And you're keeping me from my desires. Get out of my way. I don't want to talk to you right now. Go away. And so that's why anger creates this distance and brokenness and, and hard feelings and woundedness in the people around us. So it's a, it, it, it's this, it's this force. It's I'm gonna use my emotions, I'm gonna use my body, I'm gonna use, you know, my, my head games to get my way. And sometimes it's quiet. Oh, beware the quiet angry person. It's still toxic, even if it's quiet. Anger, we could say it another way, this way. We could say anger is an attempt to control others rather than controlling self. Anger is a way, as an attempt to control others rather than controlling self. So the sins of anger, so those things we talked about, bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, they're they're a grab at power in those times when we feel powerless, I don't want to do so. I'll just lash out and it gets me power and it can be effective for a while. Some of you worked for a boss who just blows up all the time. Everybody had a, like an angry boss and they can throw stuff around. They can yell and everybody scurries to their desk or scurries and gets things done. And so it actually works for them for a while. Like that power play actually gets the results that they want, but in a short term and at what cost, at the cost of broken relationships, at the cost of distance, at the cost of of discontent, at the cost of people leaving their life. In verse 30, Paul says it this way, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. He's identified you as his own, guaranteeing you'll be saved on the day of redemption or a seal. Another translation talks about it. It grieves the Holy Spirit. Why would it grieve the Holy Spirit when I have an angry outburst? Because as a believer in Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in me. And so that lashing out, that wounding of another person is exactly the opposite of what the Holy Spirit lives in me to do. God's given me His Holy Spirit so that I'll be a blessing. So that I'll build people up. So that I'll be an agent of reconciliation. So that I'll bring people together rather than creating division and separation. Kimberly, I like how you said it. It divides relationships when our work as believers is to bring them together. That's why we have to, to deal with these things. That's why it grieves the Holy Spirit when we act out in that way. And, and we're human and we're flesh and we, we make these mistakes, but it, it brings sorrow to the Holy Spirit who lives within us. You can't glorify God and you can't build people up if you're blown up at them and pushing them around with anger. I, I remember back, I was thinking I was 18 years old. I was in YWAM, Youth of the Mission, and, and I was reading this passage And I just felt so convicted because I was, uh, you know, I was such a, I, I, I just, I was super sarcastic. I was going to say I was a smart aleck, but I I think it was worse than that. It was just like, I was just cutting with my sarcasm. I just remember the Lord just convicting me about that. And I thought, I have to memorize this verse. And and we've got that one here in... in, um, You know, in our translation, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I memorized that in the New American Standard Bible. Uh, Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth except what is useful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit all who listen. Wouldn't that be great that every time you say something, someone else benefits? Can you imagine that? Every time you walk away from a conversation, people are going like, I feel better. I'm i my life is worth more now. Because I know there's times I've walked away from a conversation that person felt a little bit depleted, a little bit cut down. I don't want to do that. I want to build others up according to their needs that it may benefit all who listen. And that's what he's talking about there. So what do we do with this? Paul says we should get rid of bitterness, rage, anger. Harsh words and slander. He has, a, he has a solution. Verse 32 says it this way. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Three little things embedded in there. Kindness, tenderness, forgiveness. If you read the New International Version, it, that tenderness is translated compassion, which is also a great way to translate that word. But kindness, tenderness, Forgiveness. I was trying to think of way. How am I going to remember those three? K-T-F. And the only sentence I could come up with was, my apologies for you who have a pet ferret, but kill the ferret. I don't really like ferrets. So that's the only way I could remember it. Kindness, tenderness, forgiveness. These are three actions that can set you free. Three actions that can set you free is kindness, tenderness, and forgiveness. Let's just go to that next slide there. Kindness, what's that about? That's treating people with warmth. Treating them with love. Treating them, the, you, you know, with, with generosity. Emotional generosity. Financial generosity. Just loving them. Making their life better. Adding value to them. Looking for their value and not for their failures. Not, not getting into these joking insults that tear them apart. Not looking for criticisms and critiques, but instead building them up. God is kind to you, so we're kind to others, kindness undoes the harshness of those sins of anger. Tenderness, tenderness, or compassion is is treating others more with more than they deserve. I mean, think about it. we talk about sort of compassion ministries or or or, or compassion, you know, uh, actions. And you think, well, first thing that comes to mind. Maybe you you know you help out someone who's homeless. That person could can't pay you back and does nothing to help you. That's kind of a very simple kind of expression of compassion or tenderness. Tenderness is giving or doing more than that person deserves when they can't even pay you back. Tenderness is listening really well, taking the time to hear what someone is really saying or what's really on their heart. And then forgiveness. Forgiveness is the big one. Forgiveness is so easy, isn't it? Anger and forgiveness are almost always in partnership. Anger and unforgiveness, pardon me. Anger and unforgiveness are almost always in partnership. Unforgiveness is almost always going to lead to bitterness, greater anger, hurt, distance. And so anger and unforgiveness just go together. It's just kind of this unholy marriage. And so he's saying, God in Christ forgave you. So you must forgive others. And you think, yeah, but that person doesn't deserve to be forgiven. I know. But that person really hurt me. Brian, you don't understand. That was, I was sexually abused. I was physically harmed. That person ripped me off $100,000. I understand. So how is your unforgiveness going to fix that problem? Really? How will unforgiveness ever fix the harm that's been done to you? you? Can't. And as long as you hold that unforgiveness, it's like it blocks the Holy Spirit of God to be able to work healing in your own life. You have to f- come to that place of forgiveness. I know it's not easy. I know they don't deserve it. I know they didn't ask. They didn't say sorry, and they never will. Some of those people that wounded you are, are dead and gone. They're not coming back to say, I'm so sorry, would you please forgive me? They're not. What they did was terrible. But that unforgiveness creates. Creates uh, bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander in your own life. And you've got to come to that place of forgiveness. And we, if, if that's a place where you're stuck, you may need to meet with somebody. We'd love to help you walk through that. Forgiveness has to happen. And it's the antidote to these sins of anger. Now. Got a few minutes left, and I, I want to um, take you into an old testament passage in First Samuel chapter twenty-five. There's a this this chapter tells a story. If you've got a Bible with you, invite you to find that. First Samuel chapter twenty-five. Anger is not mentioned in this, but this this episode perfectly illustrates what happens when an angry person kind of acts out. So it's the story of David, Abigail and Nabal, the, few, the fool. Nabal is an Abigail, or a husband and wife. This is about David. This is David after he's been anointed king, but he's not the king yet. He's been anointed king, but Saul is still the king. And, and David is living his life on the lamb. He's hiding out in the Judean wilderness, which is pretty rough and dry territory. And he's... He's managed to kind of gather around him, whether he meant to or not. A, a, a band of, of, of soldiers, I use the term very loosely, we sometimes nickname it the 3D Army because they were in debt, distressed, and discontent. And about 600 of them were, were with David, plus their families. And David's out in the wilderness, and he's responsible for keeping these guys kind of fed and watered. And some of you who, who've run a business know the stress of keeping your employees fed and watered. It can be really tough sometimes. And so David's got this this on his mind. And so chapter 25 tells us as what happens. He's trying to solve this problem. Verse, verse 1 says that David moved down to the wilderness of Maon and there was a wealthy man from Maon who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats and it was sheep shearing time. This man's name was Nabal and his wife Abigail was a sensible and beautiful woman. But Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, was crude and mean in all his dealings. We learn later that his name, Nabal, means fool. If my parents named me fool, I'd be kind of angry as well. <laughs> Wouldn't you? But he's, a new, new international version says he was surly. That's a great word. And so David, knows that he's nearby and he says, well, he's shearing sheep. Let's let's go down there and, and see if Nabal will help us out. And so he sends a delegation of 10 guys down and they, they, they get ready to, to uh, you know, they're about to sheep she- she- shear sheep, say that 10 times. Um, and these 10 guys say, hey, you know, while we were nearby you, none of your sheep went missing, nobody was harmed. We we're basically watching out for you. And now, you know, our master David is asking, hey, could you kind of give us some food? God's like, we're hungry and and we, you know, could you share with us? And Nabal's like, no, who's David? I'm not sharing nothing with David. All kinds of people are causing trouble. No way. Forget it. Get out of here. And he goes back and they go back to David and they, they tell David what had happened. You know, this guy would have known probably that that David was going to be the king. If he was smart at all, he would have said, you know, I have an opportunity here to kind of win favor with the guy who's going to be the king. This could go really well for me, but he, he didn't get that. And so they go back to David. And and, and, and so David's uh, David says, it says, verse 12, David's young men returned and told him what Nabal said. Get your swords, was David's reply as he strapped on his own. Then 400 men started off with David and 200 remained behind to guard their equipment. So David's packing and they're going to go. They are going to take this guy out. Right. Well, meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants went to Abigail, his wife, and told her David sent messengers from the wilderness and kind of tells them, tells her the whole story. And She's like, oh, no, this is serious. And so she manages without telling her husband. She gathers a bunch of food, bunch of supplies, gets some servants and they tear off uh, to find David and see she's smart and she knows what's going to happen. And she goes up uh, to do that. And so she gets all this food and she goes on and verse 20 says as she was riding her donkey into a mountain ravine she saw David and his men coming toward her. David had just been saying a lot of good it did to help this fellow. We protected his flocks in the wilderness and nothing he owned was lost or stolen but he has repaid me evil for good. May God strike me and kill me if even one man of his household is still alive tomorrow morning. David's going for it. He's taking him out and everybody with him. It's going to be bloody. This is a bad situation. And when Abigail, verse 23, saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed low. And she fell to his feet. I said, I accept all blame in this matter, my Lord. Now that's codependency. So we'll get into that some other time, right? <laughs> Please listen to what I have to say. I know Nabal as a wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay any attention to him. He is a fool, just as his name suggests. But I never even saw the young man you sent. And now she just kind of heaps and prays on David says, look, I know you're going to be the king. I know that you're going to be successful in everything you do. You know, please, you know, recognize this This didn't need to go this way. And here's all this food and, and just take it. I'm your servant. And, you know, she just really pours it out. And then verse 32, he says, David replied to Abigail, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you to meet me today. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. And David accepted her present and told her, Return home in peace. I've heard what you said. We will not kill your husband. And when Abigail arrived home, she found that Nabal was throwing a big party and was celebrating like a king. He was very drunk so she didn't tell him anything about her meeting with David until the dawn the next day. And in the morning when Nabal was sober, his wife told him what happened. And as a result, he had a stroke and he lay paralyzed on his bed like a stone. About 10 days later, the Lord struck him and he died. The happy ending of that David heard what happened and he sent for Abigail and said, would you be my wife? And she says, yes. <laughs> Add her to the list, but that's, an, that's another story. Four things. Four things, little takeaways, four reasons to resolve anger based out of this crazy, crazy story. First is anger blinds you to your blessings and keeps you from being a blessing. Nabal was such an angry man. He couldn't see how the Lord had prospered him. He couldn't see how he'd been blessed. He couldn't see how David had protected him and his flocks and his men. He couldn't see it because he was so angry. And it kept him from being a blessing to David and his men. And some of us, we're angry all the time. We don't recognize God's been good to you. He loves you. He's brought an abundance to your life you don't even notice, you don't even recognize. And you're angry and someone asks for help and you're like, no, I'm not helping you. What have you done for me? It keeps you from being generous. keeps you from being kind and tender. So we have to deal with it because anger blinds you to your blessings and keeps you from being a blessing. Can you imagine how differently Nabal had said, David, I'd love to help you. You're going to be the king. I'm loyal to you. Let's do this. He would have prospered many times more. Second reason is that, is that one person's anger can trigger anger in another's. David was, David was in the wrong. David was about to commit an egregious sin of, of murder, mass murder. But he had this, this angry, Response he got from Nabal triggered something unhealthy in him. It just, uuuh, oh, just, just get your swords, we're getting that guy. Just, just put on your swords, just go. I'm surprised he didn't lop off Abigail's head like in the movie just running by. Could've. Sometimes your anger is what's triggering anger in someone else. And so it's, someone used the word escalate. I love that word. It just goes like an escalator up and up. And up, and you push, and you push, and you push. And then thing, you say things you didn't want to say. You, you do things you didn't want to do. It costs you something. You fling something across the room, and now you got to spend money fixing it, buying new whatevers. Sometimes that anger is going to cause anger in someone else. It's a reason for you to stop, get a hold of that. Submit it to Jesus. David, you see how the devil got a foothold in David's life? Can you imagine what would happen if David David had gone through with slaughtering those guys? He'd be like, well, that's pretty effective. I'm going to do that next time. We're going to do that a lot more. Because now everybody's scared of me. Can you imagine? third good reason to, to resolve this sins of anger is that anger unfairly forces others to intervene. There's poor Abigail. I don't know what her plans were that day, but they changed. Gathering stuff, going and intervening, putting herself at great risk just to, to, to save the day. And some of you, you're, you've been so angry and your spouse is always having to cover your backside for you. Or your, your employees are always having to make excuses for you. Or your co workers And you, you need to know that anger that causes others to intervene is unfair. It's unkind and it's unloving to them. And you're doing more damage. You're pushing people away as you do that. One more reason to resolve the, the sins of anger is it's costly to your health. You know, if you're an angry person all the time, it's hard on your health. It's hard on your blood pressure. It might, it might cause you to turn to an addiction of some kind. And now you're wrapped up in something else that's destroying your life. For Nabal, it's, it killed him. It's like, ah, it's just tense all the time. Stress is so hard on your body. It's way better to release, to forgive, to let it go. I don't really like how that went, but I'm going to forgive. I'm going to abandon that bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander. Maybe you recognize, as we've been talking, that the devil has gained a foothold in your life through these sins of anger. Okay, what do I do, Brian? Okay, well, we've already talked about, you know, you're going to kill the ferret. Kindness, tenderness, forgiveness. But really, here's where where the rubber meets the road for you. Repent. Admit it to God. Admit it to others. Say, God, I've been angry. I've been really harsh. I've been really destructive in my words. My actions have really caused a lot of pain and damage. And God, I'm sorry. I don't want to turn from that. I don't want to follow you. God, I invite you to bring healing to my life in this area. And maybe you need to go to somebody today and just say, Hey, I, I've been losing my cool way like it's crazy. I'm sorry. That's something I'm working on. It's something I'm asking God to, to deal with in my life, to grow the fruit of the Spirit instead. And then maybe you need to, to just ask God, the second step would be to ask God to, to show you who you need to forgive. Whether that person's a living or not. Or maybe there's somebody you need to seek forgiveness from. And I bet you right now, you know, you know who that is. God's, the if you're sensitive that the Holy Spirit is telling you right now, it's, you have got to forgive that person. Or those people. Or yourself. Or you need to forgive God. Or that pastor who said something to you that was unkind. Or that, that, that teacher who, who did something that was hurtful. You got it. You, you, you have no way of going back and talking to them. You gotta forgive to get freedom from this. Or maybe there's somebody you need to say, I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me? And the third thing is to receive God's kindness and His tenderness and then pass it on to others. You think, well, that sounds really vague. I, and I, I understand but it's, it's getting quiet with God saying God can you help me see how you've been kind I, I'm, I'm so bottled up I don't even recognize it Lord let me experience your kindness Lord let me see your tenderness in my life God let me know your love for me so that I can then share that with others that's the it's a simple three step process for you to begin to find real freedom in this area you might need to talk to, to me, Pastor Steve, and we'd be happy to, maybe someone else, a ministry leader that you work with, just, we'd love to walk you through that. God's so good to you, He loves you. I invite the worship team, we're gonna, we're gonna close, Um Christy, can you just do one verse and chorus of At the Cross first, before you do that closing song? We're just gonna sing that song, and I just wanna give you a time to just reflectively just kind of respond in your own way to the Lord. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus and you're saying, today's my day. It's a simple thing. Just Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God, that you died for me and you rose again. I choose to follow you as the Lord and leader of my life. When I mean, you put your faith in him. We're going to just sing this song to let you reflect on that. And then we're going to switch gears to a song that's really quite fun to sing. It's got deep, rich, meaningful words, but... It's really lighthearted and fun. And I want you to just kind of experience the kind of the joy of singing a fun song about God's grace. We'll get there. We'll finish with that. Uh, I failed to remind you about the deacon offering today. So uh, we have a deacon committee that uh, helps people in practical ways. Maybe you in your own life or you know somebody who is in a financially hardship or a time of real great difficulty. You can reach out to our deacons. But if you'd like to contribute to the deacon offering, you can do that uh, today or any Sunday. I want to remind you Easter's uh, coming take those flyers with you and and uh find ask the Lord to give you at least one person uh maybe the four people across the street from you and a couple beside you and a couple each side of you you're welcome to be more cards at the back grab eight cards and hand them out in that way and then uh lastly we want to get the chairs stacked in here in sets of six it helps our custodian out a great deal let's just close in prayer god we just thank you for the great way that that you love us the way you Pour out your grace. It is it is meant to bring us joy. It is meant to bring us levity uh, as we recognize the wonderful, matchless grace of Jesus. The Lord, for those that are just struggling today with some of the things we've talked about, God, I pray that you just could bring them to a place of great liberty in you. We thank you for your great love for us, for your great forgiveness, for your great mercy, for your compassion, for your tenderness, for your kindness. You pour out to us in abundance. God, let us be a blessing to the people around us. Let us be a blessing to the people we encounter tomorrow, today, the week to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, church, let's go make Christ Jesus famous from here to the world. Amen.